oh, you know, how do you know how much spice or how much salt or how much whatever to put? And the meme goes, um, yeah, I just keep going until my ancestor, I hear my ancestor's voice telling me, yeah, mija. <laughs> <laughs> was my friend Alejandra. We were waiting to go home after medical mission and I had the pleasure of spending the afternoon with her where she told me all about her family stories of cooking. I am Tina Lindquist and this is Fusion Cooking, a podcast that explores the world around us through food, history, and stories. Enjoy. So state your name, rank, and serial number. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was like... Okay, what is, what is your name and why are you here? Uh, I am Alejandra Hubern and I am just trying to help you with your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Mexico City. And where were your parents born? My mom was born in Mexico City and my dad was born in um, a really, really small town uh, in Michoacan. It's called La Luz. Who is, who's the better cook in your family? My mom. Absolutely. <laughs> Would your dad agree? Yes. Okay. There's like maybe five, five to seven dishes that my dad cooks better than my mom uh-huh. and everybody knows it. But other than that, it's all about my mom. <laughs> okay. What memories do you have of coming home from school? Did your mom cook anything or were they both working or? Um, my mom actually chose not to go to work until we, the kids, were like old enough to take care of ourselves because she just felt that obligation to keep the house clean and keep everything cooked and meals prepped. So growing up, we came home to freshly amazing, delicious cooked meal as soon as we got home. So. Which ones were your favorites? Um, my absolute favorite is sopes. Um, my mom's even making that for me on Saturday when I get home. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, and then your other typical ones are um, enchiladas and flautas um, and frijoladas and tinga. What's tinga? Tinga is a sh- usually shredded chicken in a chipotle sauce. Okay. Uh, and then you you put that on top of a tostada with some sour cream. Oh, that sounds and yummy. It's it's delicious. <laughs> wow. Okay. Is it T I N G A? Is that how you spell yes. it? Yes. Okay. Tinga. I've heard of tinga before. That's my husband's favorite meal. I have to make it for him all the time. <laughs> what was a typical breakfast? Um, growing up. See, this is why I'm not a huge breakfast person um, because our breakfast was arroz con leche. Um, or it was hot chocolate with some, like, pan dulce. Okay. Like, that was it. There was nothing fancy. We didn't even really get, you know, eggs or pancakes, waffles, all of your American stuff. We would like, nope, just arroz con leche or hot chocolate. Did, did they add sweetener to the arroz con leche? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My mother adds a lot. She does, like, the condensed milk and the oh. sweetened milk, and she just dumps them all in there. But it's delicious. <laughs> it does sound delicious. I even with cinnamon and, and yes, raisins, lots of cinnamon with that condensed milk, and nutmeg, that sweetened. So you you mentioned that your earlier you mentioned that your dad was working on was it carnitas? Yes. Okay. 
apparently he just learned. He just went to Mexico and got like the last secret ingredient. He's been trying for years to make them as good as my uncle. <laughs> okay, so your uncle is the expert on that one. Yes, absolutely. Did he need any special equipment to make yes. the carnitas? He, we, we bought a lot of stuff. Uh, once we figured out that he wanted to do that, we started buying him uh, the caso. Uh, and it's called a caso and a disco. A caso is a traditional vessel that is used to simmer pork in lard to make carnitas. They still make these vessels in Mexico. They make them by hand. They hand hammer the copper so that it has a certain texture on the side. The first time I had seen this was in the Netflix series Taco Chronicles, which was fabulous. So if you hadn't had a chance to check out that series, do so. You won't be disappointed. And you just put that over like one of those burn pit things with a propane tank. And then you have like this ginormous, like it almost looks like an ore is what you mix the meat in because this is like huge stuff. So is the meat cut up and fried in, in lard or is it whole and then you shred it later? How does it yeah. work? It's, it's typically whole and then um, you either shred it later or during the cooking process you get the, it literally just starts falling apart and you get these little tidbits. Okay. How do you know when it's done? Just the color mostly. Um, you have to cook it. You cook it on super low heat just to make sure that it gets cooked all the way. Um, and then after that, then you're putting it higher heat to get the color and the browning. And well, the smell tells you when it's done, I guess. <laughs> what, what color are you going for? You're going for a reddish, like earth tone. Um, almost like looking at these, uh, well, not here, but in Arizona, the red mountain pigment. <gasps> yes. Like, that's the color you want. Yes, I remember those mountains. Okay, and then do you serve it on a, does he serve it on a corn tortilla or a sopa or anything or all of it, all the above? Uh, usually it's a taco, for sure. Okay. So you just cut it up, um, shred it up, and then you just grab some, some tacos and put cilantro, onion, salsa, um, lime, everything. Mm. Make it street taco-wise. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah. Okay, so you said your mother's going to make you sopas. Yes. When you get home, Very how exciting. describe what a sopa is? Um, it is masa that has been turned into a like a half shell um, tortilla bowl, but it's it's flat and it just has ledges all the way around in a circle, um, and then it's fried. And um, our family just puts beans and you know lettuce, sour cream, um, cheese, salsa, the whole works, avocado. Um, other other parts of Mexico or whatnot, they'll put meat in it, so it'll be shredded chicken or shredded pork or beef. So is it a one-step or two-step cooking process for the sopa? It, it's like a 12-step cooking 12 process. <laughs> this is a special meal that your mom is making you. It takes forever from, from start to finish. If you, have, if you don't have beans prepped and all that other stuff, which we usually do because Mexicans always just has a pot of beans boiling at all the time. Um, but it takes like like five hours to make from from nothing. Okay. So you make the masa and then you, you make it into a thick, like a thick tortilla. And then you put that on the comal and you, you know, cook it both sides. And then you come it off and it, it just get a little bit... Um, 
to cut just a little bit cooled down but before it gets too cold you have to pinch all the way around to create kind of the ridge around the thick tortilla and it makes it like this this crust shell now once that's done it's cooled down all the way then you have to fry it deep fried in oil um or i pan. guess uh, we, we just put it in a pan with a little bit of oil yeah um and then you spray the um the top and then you flip it over to get the ridges to really mm. crisp up so that they don't um so that they don't flake off mm -hmm. so you have really crisp edges and you still have a doughy bottom center and then you have all of the stuff on top. Oh man, that sounds delicious. It is. With the masa, does she add water, lard, or both? It's just water. Water and masa? Yeah. Any salt? That's it. No. Okay. Uh, that's what all the condiments are for. You also mentioned beans, that you always, they always have a pot of beans going. Always. <laughs> so do they make them um, ranch style? What do they put in their beans? Is it like Southwestern, like um, what we saw on Navajo Nation? No. Um, our normal to-go beans are pinto beans. Mm -hmm. uh, when we feel fancy, we uh, get these, um, we call them yellow beans. I mm -hmm. actually have no idea what they're actually called. Toronto or canary beans? I think so. I would have to, I would have to look at them. They're very almost white and they're, they're our fancy beans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Okay, so, so do, do you season it with onions or ham hocks or pepper or chilies? When or? we boil it, it's literally just the beans with some salt and a tooth of garlic. Oh, okay. Um, and then that's, that's it. We just boil them and then if we refry them, then we refry them. Now you're probably thinking of like charro beans. That's something completely different. Okay. That's like a dish in and of itself. That's the, the ones you usually serve at weddings or whatever with the bacon and the onions and tomatoes and even like hot dog rounds. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think um, when we were in New Mexico, they also, they love the pinto beans and they seasoned it with garlic, onion, and I want to say bell peppers. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. But interesting. So every every little region has their spin on the pot of beans. Everyone has a spin on everything. <laughs> um, the main things that you know you can pinpoint the location in Mexico is based off of enchiladas and uh, mole. Mole is a traditional Mexican sauce. It predates the colonial times. It is basically made with whatever you have on hand and whatever your personal preference is. Each region has their own spin on the mole sauce, including individual families which have their own secret recipes. Mole sauce can take on a deep red or brownish color or even a green color. There are herb-based moles that are made with uh, primarily herbs, chilies, and seeds. Some of the commonalities in mole sauce include fruit, chili peppers, spices, and nuts or seeds, and also cocoa. There are two regions in Mexico which both claim to be the origin of mole, and that is Puebla and Oaxaca. 
So you can tell what part of Mexico somebody came from based on those two? You can narrow it down very significantly. Very interesting. Yes. I knew Mexican cuisine is very regional. Very. And I didn't know that you could actually kind of pinpoint the area based on the enchiladas. I've even heard, even though we use a lot of cilantro in the States, cilantro isn't used that much in a lot of Mexico. Have you heard that? Um, it's kind of considered kind of like one of those fancy garnishes. Like you don't always like have money or time for it, but it definitely upscales the food if you want to, Okay. you know, impress guests or whatnot. Okay. Uh, okay. Mexico City uses it a lot. Okay. Uh, not so much in the little ranch where my dad's from. That's extra. On that ranch, did he did he grow food or did he raise animals or? Um, both. He he went out to the fields and did you know corn, and then there was um, you kind of grabbed your daily necessities from your own private little um, farm. So you had your your chickens and your cows and your donkeys and your horses, <laughs> but you didn't. He, he didn't um, keep those animals for other people. Like, that was for his home use. Mm -hmm. um, they worked out in the fields with the corn okay. and agave. So he was a homesteader and a commercial farmer. He worked yeah. on a commercial farm. Interesting. Tell me about desserts. What, what are desserts like in your family? Um, do you eat dessert? We, we do. We, we're just not... We're not very good at it. <laughs> I guess my mom never learned desserts very well, so it never was a thing. I mean, you got your typical flan, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's always a delicious thing, Mexican. And then we use um, the arroz con leche as dessert okay. a lot of the times. Um, whenever you're eating it for like breakfast or something, it's hot when you're eating it as dessert, then you kind of eat it cold mm -hmm. and sprinkle some cinnamon on top. Um, and then we have, you know, um, the sweet bread but desserts was never a big thing we ate arrows con leche too um we just called it rice rice cereal rice cereal <laughs> yeah so we we did and it might be the same for your family if we had leftover rice from the dinner before we had it for breakfast with milk and sugar oh so that might transcend a lot of cultures my parents were from the south okay so that might be just one of those things that you did not to waste food. Oh wow, that's that's not the way it is with us. It, that's that's a purposeful meal. You actually cook the rice in order to make this. Yes, it's not leftovers from it the night before. Not leftover. Interesting. In Asia, they have something similar. I think it's called kong kongi or kongi. It's a glutinous rice, so it's a lot stickier and mm. and probably made with coconut milk. I actually haven't made it. Okay. So now ours is very very soupy. It's not thick, um, and and we don't use leftover like like this is very purposeful. This is going to be arroz con leche. Okay. Um, and my mom, oh man, it's so good. <laughs> my mouth is watering. Um, You're getting homesick. <laughs> yes, I am. I can't wait for all of the good food, and I know she's going to be making all of it. I can't wait for you to enjoy your mom's cooking again because that's special. Yes. All right, if you were to describe a spice that defines your family's cooking, if you could just pick one spice or herb, what would it be? Oh, that's hard. Um, and I say your family because Mexico is so regional. Yes. That's, that's difficult because 
we we use like the same six things and we use we can cook 25 different meals with the same six items all right let's go with that what are the six items um like my mom says chile tomate cebolla <laughs> like that's just those are the three things that we never ever run out of in our house tomatoes and onions i caught and um and uh, jalapeno or serrano peppers so just peppers mm -hmm. And then you got um, your sour cream and cheese. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, masa and beans. I, I can make like 25 different meals with those mm -hmm. with those ingredients. And cumin too? Uh, we don't really use cumin. Interesting. And in our normal cooking, we don't we don't use spices per se. We stick to salt and garlic and that's it everything else comes from the meshing of the other ingredients very cool what are going back to your dad what are the other six things that he makes really well oh he does surprisingly seafood really well huh. um i have no idea how because it's not like he grew around water or anything but he does shrimp cocktail um, he does his carnitas, um, he does a um, chicken soup, like so whenever anybody gets sick, like he's in charge of making the chicken soup. <laughs> and um, fried fish, and oh, he makes an amazing torta. Oh, okay. Describe a torta. Uh, torta is, um, it's a very fancy sandwich. <laughs> it's on bolillo bread. Okay. It has to be uh, toasted and there's two different types of tortas. There's your normal kind of like ham torta, which is our boring torta. But our main torta is with milanesa. So it's um, breaded and fried milanesa. So it's really thin flank um, steak. And then you just um, batter it and um, fry it. Interesting. That's the main meat. And then you put um, a layer of beans on the bottom, almost like mayo, except for you put beans as your coat. And then you put that, uh, onions, um, avocado, salsa, lettuce. It's very delicious. <laughs> Describe the bread. Is it real? Is it bread bread or tortilla bread? No. Um, Oof, I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like, almost like French bread, mm -hmm. if I were to say. Very, very wide. Mm -hmm. And it comes out of peak. It has like this diamond shape. Um, so like a yeasted bread. Yeah, it's very, very fluffy. It's, it's golden and brown on the outside and crunchy. And then on the inside, it's all, it's all fluff. Where did that come from? Do you know? Um, That's very that European. Is, Maybe, maybe Spain, I would, I would guess. And that's okay. actually, you know, what all the white people are called. Bolillos, I don't know if you ever heard oh, it. No. Uh -uh. So for names for, for fair skinned or white people is um, Güero and Bolillo. 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 And that is reference to that white bread. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I know that um, 
Mexico is full of immigrant um, uh, influences, yes, including um, tacos al pastor, which came yes. from the Middle East, <laughs> meat on a spit, and there's something uh, I think in Central or Central America or South Mexico called pepper, pepper sauce. It was brought over by Italian. Uh, construction workers, I believe, or t Italian engineers. And what they did was they tried to make pesto, which is what they grew oh, up with, yum. using local ingredients. So there's olive oil in it. And instead of basil, they put cilantro. <laughs> they put garlic in there. Um, and I can't remember. There might be some chili chilies in there. I'm not sure, but it's absolutely delicious. That and it's, cool. as a result, because they tried to make what they knew at home using local ingredients. So yes. they came up with a whole new sauce called pebre. pebre wow, sauce. never heard of it, but it sounds delicious. Yeah. Oh, just that they've, they've been passed down uh, generations, and I always like all of the memes and stuff that I see where um, people are always asking for a recipe. And the meme where it says, oh, you know, how do you know how much spice or how much salt or how much whatever to put? And the meme goes, um, yeah, I just keep going until my ancestor, I hear my ancestor's voice telling me, yeah, mija. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, that is very accurate. I, I can't give you recipes because I don't know them. Um, I just, you go off of consistency and everything else. And if you're not there to experience the consistency, then... Like, we've tried putting it down on paper, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> right, right. Kind of reminds me of the story of um, there was a, this group of women in this village, and I can't remember where, but they somewhere in North Africa or the Middle East where they had to evacuate within two days. And up until then, they had held their recipes close to their chest and you because know, they were very proud of their family mm -hmm. recipes and the big family recipe secret. But during those last two days, they were, they're very close friends, but now they wanted to share the recipes because they were all getting split apart. So uh, one of the directions that uh, one of the women gave was, you need the dough until it's just the texture of your earlobe. <laughs> and that's hard to describe yes, on paper. Absolutely. And a lot easier to learn if you see it and cook side by side with somebody. So I yeah. totally understand that. And I think it's great that the rest that the cooking methods and recipes are being handed down even if it's side by side cooking. at your mother's apron strings. Yes. <laughs> so many cultures are losing um, their recipes because of war and disruption and, and even the, the new food culture. Yeah. So it's great. It's a gift. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. While listening to Alejandra's stories of her family's food stories, I was virtually transported to a Mexican kitchen with the pungent aromas of onion, garlic, and chilies wafting in the air, and hearing the percussion of a mocayete, a stone mortal and pestle, grinding spices and aromatics. The family mole is like a family crest, identifying regional and familial culture. It is much more than a sweet and heat sauce and is a treasure that a parent can pass on to their children. Enchiladas are as regional as mole sauce. 
There are infinite variations that is both determined by regions and family preferences and secret recipes. I find family stories about food like a woven blanket and each story a thread, weaving in and out, ultimately connecting each thread with each other. Today, our cookbook spotlight will be on The Art of Mexican Cooking by Diana Kennedy. An excerpt from bookshop.org states, The Art of Mexican Cooking is the ultimate guide to creating authentic Mexican food in your own kitchen, and with more than 200 beloved recipes as well as evocative illustrations. The dishes included favorites from all the regions of Mexico. They range from sophisticated to pure and simple, but they all share an intrinsic depth of taste. Aficionados will go to great lengths to duplicate the authentic dishes, and Kennedy tells them exactly how. But here, too, is a wealth of less complicated recipes for the casual cook in search of the unmistakable flavors of a bold cuisine. Kennedy shares the secrets of true Mexican flavor, balancing the piquant taste of chilies with a little salt and acid, for instance, or charring them to round out their flavor, broiling tomatoes to bring out their character, or adding cumin for a light accent. By using Kennedy's kitchen wisdom and advice and carefully selecting produce that is now readily available in most American markets, cooks with an appetite for Mexican cuisine and Kennedy devotees old and new can at last serve and enjoy real Mexican food. According to Paula Wolfert, author of The Cooking of Southwest France, quote, this is the ultimate in Mexican cooking from the world's leading authority, unquote. If you are interested in this cookbook or any of the other cookbooks, the link will be in the show notes at fusioncraftiness.com forward slash podcast. By purchasing books through bookshop.org, you support not only independent booksellers, but also this podcast. That's it for today's show. Thank you, Alejandra, for sharing your lovely stories. And thank you all for listening. Buen provecho. Buen provecho.